was the first time I felt like I was making a work that was of all of this and not necessarily kind of a, a formula from someone else's work. Hey friends, welcome back to Inside the Creative Process. I'm your host, Alicia Peterson-Baskell. I wanted to extend a heartfelt thank you to this community. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, for sharing this podcast, for reaching out to me and sharing your takeaways. That last episode was, was hard for me to make and yet so easy for me to make. It's amazing what can happen when we just follow our own clarity and our own intuition. I knew that I needed to share my heart and I needed to share my story about my father. It's just been about a week and a half uh, since he passed. And, you know, grief is, is not linear, as people say. It really, that's really is true. And it's different for everybody. And it's different for everybody we lose. So it always catches me off guard and surprises me. But I so appreciate your response and your condolences for a podcast that's only been on the air a couple of weeks, I'm just thrilled with this community we're forming around creativity. It's so great. <laughs> I feel so pulled and guided by this and happy to be here and happy to share these amazing artists with you. Speaking of which, on today's episode, I have the pleasure of talking with my dear friend and mentor, Eric Geiger. Eric Geiger is a dance artist. He dances and makes dance in an attempt to make sense of the world around him. Eric studied at the Alvin Ailey American Dance Center and has been a company member in many dance companies, including the Bill T. Jones Arnie Zane Dance Company, the Lyon Opera Ballet, McCaleb Dance, and he has been in processes with Deborah Hay. Until recently, Eric was a professor of dance at UC San Diego, where I was lucky enough to have him as a mentor through my graduate program. Eric is a brilliant mover, performer, and teacher, and I'm so excited for you all to hear his incredible story. Please welcome my dear friend, Eric Geiger. Eric, I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks, Alicia. <laughs> Me too. Thank you so much. We just got finished dancing in your class. That was amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want to jump right in and sort of go back uh, in time a bit to where you, where you started, where you recognized that you were an artist, where you maybe recognized that dance was something that you needed in your life. And I wanna hear about your journey. When I was younger, I was maybe 13, I think, or 14. My family moved from Connecticut. We, were, we lived in New York, was born in New York. We moved to San Diego. And my brother was thriving and had like a community of friends and was in different kinds of... Older brother. My older, older brother. brother. Yeah, three years older than I am. In all kinds of sports. And I was going to school and coming home. And my parents really wanted me to start something kind of extracurricular, something outside of school, something that got me involved with other, other uh, folks my age. 
I, I fell into gymnastics somehow. I don't really remember exactly how. And I, and I ended up training in gymnastics for a short period of time and, and, and competing quite quickly. Wow. I think I just had, I had, I had the musculature at, mm-hmm. at my, at, even at that age mm-hmm. that I, I was training at San Diego State and I loved the floor. I mean, doing the floor work, that was my favorite thing to do. It was the most like dancing. Although I didn't know that I would love dancing as much as I do. And they kind of rushed me and threw me into a competition. And I won third place in my first competition for uh, the floor work. Oh, my gosh. And, and I knew right after we were done, I said to my parents, I never want to do that again. Wow. I, I, I did not like the idea of being compared to others in that space, that the competitiveness the pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm it sure really, it's so it, much pressure yeah. at 14. Yeah. Yeah. And so my parents were always really understanding and, you know, they, okay, okay. And then they gave me some time and, and I think it came up again. You need, you need to decide what you might want to do. One night I was watching TV alone and I saw Revelations. Oh it was my on gosh. PBS. I saw Alvin Ailey's Revelations and I, I knew that what I was seeing, I didn't understand. I knew that um, I was watching these uh, black bodies kind of in, in a kind of a narrative mm-hmm. um, that I, I knew was not my history, was not, but, but I was so taken by the physicality of it and the rhythms and the musicality. Yeah, I said, I want to start dancing. I love it. I love so, it. it was Alvin Ailey yeah. and Revelations. Yeah. I've never heard that story. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And so what did you do next? Where did you find dance here <laughs> in San found, Diego? <laughs> so we were in La Costa and there was a dance studio down in the shopping center oh down goodness. at the end of the street. He was wonderful. It was Louis McKay's dance studio. I think Louis McKay is still teaching somewhere now. And I started taking ballet with Margaret Olson. Okay. And jazz with Louis McKay. Cool. And, and, that, that, and, I, and I trained with those two for, for, uh, for a really long time. And then I started dancing with Lewis, the two of us, in different, like, performing, performing at malls. And <laughs> Those early performances. Yeah. 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 Oh, my goodness. And then where did you go from there? Where did you, so you were performing in malls. Somebody must have mentioned that there was um, a Nutcracker. I did a Nutcracker. I was the prince in the, the scene with the, my, with the fighting the mice. But, you know, that, that. Revelations and, and Ailey really just stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I started to really become interested in dance, I was looking at dance magazines and uh, dance magazine. And I, I saw an audition for the scholarship students at the Ailey school and showed, showed my parents. And I was in my senior year of high school. It was in December because they were, ta- they were doing auditions for, the summer program. My my parents agreed to to fly me to New York, and I they auditioned. They are amazing yeah, people. No, they are amazing. <laughs> They're amazing. My mom took me to the Ailey Studios, and and I auditioned. I remember doing a Horton class and doing a ballet class. Never, you know, I I had only really studied jazz and ballet with Margaret and Louis mm-hmm. McKay. I I don't I was in those classes, and I got I got the scholarship. I got the full scholarship. So I started in the summer. That's and I, I remember Denise Jefferson talking with my mother and letting my mother know that I got the scholarship. And I thought, <laughs> I thought like, 
I'm starting. Like I thought, oh, I'm right not now. going back to California. <laughs> uh, you know, and Denise, Denise um, was amazing. She was such an amazing mentor. She was. She passed away recently, but she was like, no, 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 no. You go back, mm. finish high school, oh. and you, this is for the summer program. You'll start in the summer. But literally two days after I graduated from high school, I was packed on the plane because the summer pro- program started so quickly after. So like two days later. I was so back in New York. You I, were a kid. Yeah. You were just a kid. When I was 18. Well, yeah. And yeah. so many people, you know, they take dance classes and they, they're they dancing a lot in their childhood, you know, because that's a really, that can be a great space. Um, parents, you know, take their kids to dance classes. But something can happen when it comes time for college. And then it's, you know, okay, I'm going to cut that off. And now yeah. I'm going to focus yeah. on something that I... I'm supposed to do. Yeah. And I love it that your parents heard you and they saw that vision with you. And I think that's, yeah, we're well, so was, lucky. This was <laughs> they, really beautiful, Alicia, because this was kind of part of the agreement with, with my, my parents. I mean, if they supported me at the Ailey school and being in New York, although I didn't get a degree, you know, it was a, it was a, a actually the Ailey school does offer They're They're now affiliated with Fordham. And you can get an undergraduate okay. degree, but at that time you didn't. We were I was a scholarship student. The only thing I had to pay for was like a registration fee, and everything that I did there was free. Wow! I had to work the desk for a couple of hours a week. Um, all the scholarship students had to work and at it the just, studios. It puts you in that environment, yeah. so you know you, you never mind. Doing no, I never like minded. That. Never minded. Yeah. Um, and um, but it was the you know my parents said it really articulated this this is like this this would this is the equivalent of you going to college yeah. this is what you want to do so we're supporting that you know i ended up going to college in my 30s yeah. and getting a degree yes. and then my master's degree much much later after a career in dance but they supported it as if they were supporting you know me going to college i love it those years at ailey were profound i mean they were profound yeah. for me because i was in I mean, the Ailey School was was really diverse, but still, it was predominantly black, mm-hmm. um, as as the company is also. I mean, the company is diverse, but it's predominantly black. Mm-hmm. And the way that I did in gymnastics, I, I there's something about my musculature and being small, and I have the capacity to train well and quickly. I've had to undo some of that in ways or also reorganize some of that in ways. But at this time, when I was focused on Graham class and Horton class and ballet class there at school, I had the capacity to really excel and progress in those techniques quite quickly. So it wasn't that long before being in like level three and level four before I moved up to level six, which was the ballet went to level six, Horton went to level six, or no, I think Horton went to level four but moving up in in those levels and then kind of being a part of like a class of students that were you know being considered for either the second for being considered for the second company or you know starting to kind of audition for work in New York and I I did start to audition and I and I I did really have my hopes on getting into the second company and I I didn't and um I have to tell this story yeah this is really beautiful when I, I was still at the, at the school and I was kind of watching my friends kind of go to the next step. And I was working at the desk, uh, signing people in for classes. And I got a note from one of the staff that said, Mr. Ailey 
wanted to, to meet with me. And at that time, we were in the Miskoff buildings, which is MTV now owns all of those spaces. Oh but um, the Minskoff building, Mr. Ailey's office was upstairs. You had to go into the lobby and take an elevator upstairs. I really thought <laughs> for like just a moment mm-hmm. in my naivete uh-huh. that um, maybe I get maybe I got into the first company. But I took that elevator mm-hmm. up and I, I sat at the desk with Mr. Ailey. This is also not just the first time that I was, you know, face to face with Mr. Ailey. Mr. Ailey was really um, personable. He was really approachable. He was really accessible. He'd walk into classes. He'd greet us by name. He knew everything that was happening in, in the space. He was watching like the progression of students. And so I, I was nervous, but I also had been in conversation with Mr. Ailey before. It's funny to call him Mr. Uh, I Ailey. I love it though. So, it makes my heart. It's so formal. So. And, and it's, it puts me right back to the reference that I had for him. And he said to me, you know, we, Sylvia, Sylvia was the director of the second company. He said, Sylvia and I have been in lots of conversations about you. And we just feel that you have something else that is beyond here. It was so, so generous. I didn't understand (sighs) what he meant. I was so sad because I just wanted to be there. And that was rejection. That felt like a nice way to be rejected. Yeah. How did you... How well, did you deal with it? Well, what he, he, he slid a card across the desk to me. Okay. And it was a business card, and it was a white business card in red font. And it said, Bill T. Jones. Oh, I'm gonna cry. <laughs> and he said, I think that you would do well in more experimental kind of avant-garde dance companies. And, and I still, I didn't know what any of those words mm-hmm. were. I didn't, you know... The only other dream company at that time for me was Elisa Monte because I had worked with Elisa Monte and, and um, she had a Horton background. But you I, didn't know who Bill T. Jones was. No, that was never a totally unknown. I put that in my file, my file of facts. We had fi- those, yes, those things. Those rolling uh, file, file, things. file of facts. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, years later, I ended up in Bill's company, but, but through, a, you know, a lot of different paths. But he saw that in you. He did. And, and now yeah. looking back... Without the rejection sort of right there. I mean, he was very clear, it sounds like. He knew that you were meant for something different than what he than what his work offered. Yeah. That's incredible. It's amazing because um, the way that working with Bill and the initial ex- experience with experimentation, mm-hmm. and Bill is such a formal in a way, kind of choreographer, in a way, compared uh-huh. to some of, you know, some other kind of um, experimental dance artists. But for me at that time, it was, you know, we were working with improvisation. We were building things from improvisation and, you know, being in process with Bill. So, but, you know, I still didn't understand. I didn't understand what Mr. Ailey was, how he saw me. But knowing that... Uh, the, the paths that I ended up taking and where I am now, like he saw something and it was such a, it was so generous for him oh to take gosh. the time to meet with me yes. and to kind of, I feel like I, I, I do, this, it makes me emotional. I feel like Mr. Ailey kind of put his hands on my shoulders and just went like this, like just, just tilted me in another, in another direction that, that I'm so grateful for. Well, and how selfless that really was of him because he could have said, no, you're in my company. You know, choreographers can go, you know, he's, he's an accelerated dancer. He's, he's going to be in my company, but no, he said, he's got something 
that is that is is unique and different and yeah. he's ready for something new and fresh which was I've seen somewhere or you've talked about what you call what you do now experimental yeah. dance yeah. is that true I what, do. What, do you have an, I mean, we've talked about this before, like naming what you do. It can be a really complicated yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that experimental dance in, in relationship to experimentation. Yes. And, and uh, inquiry. Yes. And questioning. So being in a process where you, yeah. you are creating from places of, from, from inquiry, from being in questions, mm-hmm. you know, like, what, what, you know, what, what does that mean? Does that mean getting the answers to those questions? No, I mean it. It, it means the question also is a uh, is also constantly um, uh, being refreshed, or you're you're it's tangential. You're you know that that question brings you to another question, which brings you another into another question. So in in that way, the, this experimental work is always it's it's alive. Uh-huh. That it, it's not something that gets kind of done, and it's like this is the dance, and and it can be placed here, and it can be performed here. That actually, that the dance ha- has the capacity to be adaptable and responsive to wherever and or whatever or whoever, because it's constantly in this refresh mode. I love that. I I'm and I know exactly what that feels like. I don't know if our listeners do, so I yeah, would love. I know. I, know. <laughs> I yeah. would love for you to sort of jog your memory to a process that you have done, a piece that either you have been in, or that you have been a part of collaborating, or that you have made as the sole choreographer. I know all of that sort of gets a little meshed in together sometimes with processes, but if there's a process where you felt, you know, like you were really able to be in that experiment. Uh, Kingdom for Sale, Better History, really was the title of a, of a dance that I made with a group of UCSD undergrads. And in the same way that I described the dance as being alive, I, I really can, I'm holding on to that in many ways with my own dancing, always refreshing the question of what is dance? What are the things that can be dance? So when I started at UCSD, I really stayed in a place where I could, where I could also be a student. Okay. So uh, that, you know, it was only after I became a professor at UCSD that I was, a, found myself in the room with Deborah Hay from this desire to keep learning to keep, more, to keep, to keep refreshing yourself that. And, and filling your well so yes. that you could bring that to your students. And my work and, and my work own dancing. And your own, yeah. I love it. Yeah. So you were being supported in in all of those ways as you're starting this journey as a professor and as a teacher. And before that, I was making some works with students, but it it felt that I was working from formulaic places of processes that I had been in with other artists. Okay. So I was making, you know, dances with students or or making dances really, even not with students, but with Michaela Dance Mm -hmm. or in other artistic contexts Mm -hmm. where it was kind of mimicry of being in Bill's work or being with, you know, dancing with artists that I had danced for. Mm -hmm. I was taking a lot of movement, uh, movement research, melt workshops at Uh this time. I was, you know, Deborah Hay just 
changed everything. Rocked turned me inside world. out, upside down, <laughs> rocked my world. You were right there with me, <laughs> being rocked, uh, you know, yes. as we were in that that magnificent summer in Fresno. All of these things were kind of floating around and new ideas and new ways of making, new ways of being. I feel like when I entered in that, those first couple of rehearsals for that particular piece, that particular Winter Works, um, where I made Kingdom for Sale uh, with those students, was the first time I felt like I was making a work that was of all of this and not necessarily kind of a, a formula from someone else's work. Nice. And where, so where did the dance arise from? I mean, can you... Shaking. Shaking. You know, like uh, kind of these habitual patterns or ways that classes, dance classes are formed and being exposed to Deborah and all these other dance artists, you know, being in classes and being engaged in, in these practices that are, you know, classes is, has, had always been so separate from process in oh, the past okay and now I was in these classes where we were in process in class and it was so confusing to me that gap between class and process started to like overlap for uh-huh. me and so it was the I, I had started to question what I was doing in class and how can I create practices in class that are more related more conducive to um, actual making processes um, that are separate from, you know, that are not separate from kind of uh, notions of training or technique and and what am I interested in in performance and how can I build on that in class yes. rather than what I had been doing in the past that I wasn't so interested in process, like certain kinds of leg work or yeah. certain certain formulaic ways of going across the floor with certain structures yeah. that um that don't necessarily translate to the stage in any way or into making something in any way yes and maybe used to maybe for me used in to, some right, way but right. but not that that I was no longer interested in 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 making processes so i i was i was really playing with duration and shaking practices and from being in class and and watching so many configurations and organizations of of young students at UCSD in shaking I thought this is like this is the work I want to make Mm -hmm. so we started to kind of mold and shape some shaking and well maybe mold and shape is heavy-handed but this is this is also related to work that I'm really interested in where we start to redefine what choreography is. So re- choreography is not specific movements that in, in a way to kind of unify a group where the fingers are to this corner, the right. eyes go there, the foot is there. Very specific, but really offering up something that everyone is in and, and the space and the permission for it to manifest itself in slightly different ways. Yes. And yet the group is in the same score. I have to say, I think there's something in you holding the space for that because your excitement for it translates into the performance too. And the movers in that piece are able to feel that and then give you more of that. That response that you give back to them by seeing them, by acknowledging the beauty of what they're doing, Mm. that's choreography too. Absolutely, yeah. That's 
that can fill a piece out in a way that a piece where someone's saying arm here, eyes there, yeah. leg here could not do. Yeah. I think that you're really brilliant at that. And I think that's, mm. that's a gift that you have both in class and in holding space for a performance mm. for a group. Oh, yeah. Thanks, thanks. I feel like I know because I met you when I first moved to San Diego. So I met you like 20 some years ago. Yeah. I feel like there was a time that maybe you weren't sure you were going to be dancing. And I'd love to hear about all of the twists and turns of this decision to then end up now performing and teaching. And, and really, I feel like dance is such a, you've used the words dedicated to dance. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I left the Ailey School and I carved out a career for myself. I was so, so lucky. A choreographer who had a company in Holland came to the Ailey School kind of like scouting out young dancers for his company and saw me in class and, and from like a couple of classes and a couple of conversations invited me to join the company. And so I, I wasn't sure about the work, but I knew that oh, I have an opportunity to move to Holland, to move to Europe. And I said, yes. And Amazing. I mean, it, it was it was a wonderful learning experience. I was I was only there for a year. You know, it was my first professional job. I was also a foreigner and I was touring with, there were, there were folks from Germany. There was, um, Dwight from England. There were some Dutch dancers. Odile was from France. Jennifer and I were from the States, but it was just like, oh it was gosh. such an amazing experience wow. for me. And we became, you know, as dancers do, as projects do, as dance companies do, we became this amazing dysfunctional family so quickly. And I feel like I learned so much from that company in that, that first year. And then I, I came back to San Diego. I was trying to figure out what to do. I took some classes at Isaacs, McCaleb and Dancers, which, the, you know, Gene Isaacs and Nancy McCaleb were collaborating in a dance company at that time. And there was a guest teacher, Lonnie Morton, who was the rehearsal director for Bill T. Jones's company at the time, and they were in residence at UCLA. So Lonnie oh came gosh. down from UCLA to teach these classes, and Lonnie said, you should go up to, <laughs> to take class. And I thought, like, that Bill and the company were there, and it was an open class, and when I got there, it was a residency. They were finishing making Bill's iconic work, uh, Last Supper at Uncle Tom's Cabin. So they were in process at UCLA, and it was company class that I went into. Oh my gosh. And, and from that company class, Bill said, oh, this is great. You can come all week. So he drove back and forth and through that was invited to join Bill's company. Amazing. And did you yeah. still have that card in your... Um, I think I, I had it for years. I have to have it somewhere. Yes. I, it has yeah. to be somewhere because I made sure to save it. Yeah. But I don't know where it is anymore. And at that time, you, I mean, you were very aware that this is the person that I, Ailey I Well, it, it took some time. Okay. And I actually, when I ended up leaving Bill's company, I, it was the first time when I, when I sat with Bill, we were in France, we were on a tour in France and I had decided to leave the company. And After I how knew long? I was there for four years. Okay. And I knew I needed to have this really hard conversation with Bill but I was able to actually tell him the story about, about Alvin Ailey. Uh, and Bill had, he was commissioned to make a work for the Ailey company long before even I was there. So, oh, okay. or not maybe long before, but he had a relationship with Alvin as well. It was a, it was a nice story. Bill, Bill didn't, had, had never known. And we left, you left Bill T. Jones' company for... for I left why? Bill T. Jones' company because I, within those four years... 
Bill had asked me to, I started teaching. That was my, my first teaching experience. I started teaching some company class for, for us, like warm-ups before the show. We did that. We, it was divided into three different sections. And I was teaching ballet bar. And sometimes Heidi was teaching some yoga. And then we would do some things across the floor or like bigger movements, you know, just to be prepared for mm-hmm. as a way of coming together before the performance, com- company class before the show. But through that, through that, Bill also asked me to start, I started setting some of his work on companies that were kind of buying works of his. I went to Chicago and I set a duet that I had danced with Arthur Aviles on a company in Chicago. And then Bill also sent me to Lyon to assist him in a new work that he was making on the company. And so he was sending me to, I, I was going to, traveling to Lyon by myself with material and some kind of improvisational scores and Bill would give me some things to gather up material with the, with the, I was so young. I can't believe that I had this kind of responsibility before Bill even came to Lyon. So I would, I kind of started the process, but in that time I was watching the Lyon Opera Ballet. I was watching them go from being in rehearsal with me, with Bill's material, and then go to Susan Marshall's work and then go to Stephen Petronio's work. And then they were, uh, Maggie Marin and all the French choreographers, uh. all the international choreographers that they were working with. And I just like was craving like that kind all of that. like challenging yes. um, material. And all that variety, all, all variety. of that exposure. Oh my gosh. And I joined Bill's company after Arnie had passed. And so the work was mostly Bill's. And I, you know, I, I, I do, I mean, even thinking back now, sometimes I, I think that I don't think I got enough of Bill. And that's why I'm still so deeply connected to him. I think I left prematurely. But I also, you know, I, I had this opportunity. Yeah. The director in Lyon offered me a contract and I took it. So I was still working with Bill in ways because Bill became the resident choreographer there. So Bill asked me to rehearse his work okay. while I was in the company there. So nice. I, and I danced in Lyon Opera Ballet for two years after leaving Bill's company. Lyon Opera Ballet was amazing for all of the challenging, uh, for all the reasons I just explained in terms of uh, working with choreographers and different kinds of movement. But it was a hardcore, I mean, it was run like a ballet company. It was competitive. It was intense. Uh, Every time it was a, it was a a repertory company. Uh So they had some resident, like Bill was the resident choreographer at that time, but he would come in and make one work. And every time they brought in a new choreographer, it was a a series of auditioning to get into that work. Oh, wow. And it was really cutthroat. I mean, the, the dancers were really awful to each other. And there were 35 dancers in the company. It was big. It was, I came from nine with Bill. Yeah. It's like amazing, dysfunctional, yes. messy, sloppy, everything. Like if every personal thing was like with us all the time to like 35 dancers. And like, I don't know when I didn't, I didn't touch anything. Like we'd go on tour and there were boxes, they were shoot, like everything, wow. you know, was done there for us. Crews and, and production mm-hmm. people and all of that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I worked, my contract another, was for the city of Lyon. It kind of takes me back to that 14 year old at the gymnastics. I mean, you said you were in that competition and you just never wanted to do that again. Yeah. It's not the right environment. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Where, I mean, I want to know where you went next 
And how, and how did you get to this yeah. place where you kind of decided maybe dance, maybe not dance, maybe design, maybe, yeah. Yeah, it happened in small increments where I started to kind of, I became interested, and I think it was at this point when I left Lyon, I became interested in other aspects of art. I, I didn't know that it would come back to my dancing, mm-hmm. but the interest, I thought, was taking me away from dancing. Okay. So I started to become very interested in art and architecture, design. I had always been very interested in fashion design. That's like my grandmother studied fashion mm-hmm. design, and it's kind of a bit in my blood. In you, yeah. And so when I decided to leave Lyon, I was craving something more wild. I I could feel something brewing in me, like the way in which there was so much resistance. I mean, I got sent back up to my hotel room once when we were on tour because I came down for an event with Lyon Opera Ballet in a skirt. And I got sent back up to change. I wasn't allowed to be there. It was deeply cultural conservatism within Lyon and and the culture of the company. Wow. And I you, like and I I felt myself like I was getting more and more like with my hair, my clothes, yes. I was getting a little bit radical. And I'm not really. So I thought like L- London. I just thought London, London's okay. next. And I I went and auditioned for a company. I actually was really interested in working with Lloyd Newson from DV8. I was really okay. interested in yeah. seeing Achilles uh, Inter Achilles. Okay. Uh, yes. His evening length work. That was the work kind of work I wanted to be doing next. Yeah. I did meet Lloyd, and we had a beautiful conversation. Timing was off for the to to join the company, but the Mark Murphy was having auditions, and I went and I I I got into uh, Vitol was the name of the company. I I worked there for a year. I was on the tail end of something with with dance for me at that time. Okay. And and it, like I said, it was I thought about trying to get into design school in London. I knew that I wanted to stay in Europe. I didn't want to come back to the States. But immigration is really tricky. If you didn't have a contract, I thought I would like work under the table or try to get, you know, try to go to school there. And it just turned out that I I had to leave. Mm -hmm. I just, I couldn't stay there. I couldn't find work. And I could feel myself getting a little desperate. Like I I could have ended up in situations that I I knew I didn't want to end up in. Right, yeah. So I came back. Okay. I came back to San Diego, really kind of thinking that, okay, what am I going to do next? Like, I'm done with dance. What am I going to do next? Next part of my life. Close that door, moving forward. Yeah, then I I came back to San Diego. And that's when when I met you. Yeah. And that's when I, I, I was in this transition. I started going back to school. I had a goal to go to this design school here. Mm -hmm. And I was working on different kinds of general ed units to get into that school while also dancing with Nancy Michaela. Yeah. So it was a be- it was a great way that I could stay in dance practices and dance making. And Nancy was just so supportive of me so coming back. Supportive. She gave me the opportunity to make work on the company. I was I had the title of associate artistic director and featured me in a lot in a lot of work so all the while going back to school and I really thought that when I got the degree and I finished school that that would kind of like you close it off yeah and the closer that it got so I studied architecture and design and the closer it got I I actually ended up getting a a mentorship a um an apprenticeship a paid apprenticeship with a designer in LA I was I had by this time I had met Carl and we were together and we were trying to figure out how we were going to, we were 
planning on moving to LA. And the closer and closer I got, the more my nervous system was like, no, 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 no. And, it, and I, and it, like I, it, my body, like really, my nervous system said, don't do this, Eric. You can't stop dancing. I'm and, so grateful you listened to yeah, your body. Yeah. And then wow. I had this amazing career. I had this amazing education from design. Yeah. So then I thought, okay, I'm not going to stop dancing. I'm going to okay. continue to dance. I'm going to make dances. But and, I still want to bring in all of this design. So I, I went and I got my master's degree in both dance and yeah. scenic design, yeah. imagining that I was going to bring, that I was going to design for dances. Yeah. For my dances. Right. And um, and then something happened where it kind of like reversed back into just dance. Uh, I think all of that education in design and architecture, yeah. I, I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm thinking about it more bodies in space, but not these kind of outside art, like design pieces. I, I'm interested in dances and bodies and people. Yes. Yeah. And, I, and that stands out in how you teach and the work that you make. With this design experience that you have, I mean, when you talk about other artists, you have such a reverence for both your, you know, everybody who was a part of your, the history for you in dance, but also a reverence for the people who, for the musician that we're, we're dancing to, for the clothes that we choose to wear to dance, for, I mean, for everything. And, and you bring in ideas of different things that you've listened to about an artist who works in a completely different field, but that field reflects what you're doing. And therefore, there's a strong relationship. And I feel like that is part of the gift of your experience with design and of you branching away from dance and then thankfully coming back. Yeah. It's yeah, just, thanks. I mean, it's so, thanks. yeah, I, I feel like you're, a, and the question that I asked in the very beginning, when did you know that you were an artist or do you feel that, that artist in yourself? When is that most strong for you? It's it's such a beautiful question. It's so related to what you're saying about the inspiration, the influence, yeah. the the ways in which I'm seeing other artists and other other people. Like when you say an artist, yeah. Like I, I feel like that there's like an identity, uh-huh. and and in a way, I don't. I know I'm an artist. I identify as an artist, but like an artist, I think of a vision or one per, like one person's yeah mm. one person's vision and the, the, the mm. kind of the power. And in a way, it's mm. kind of quite um, quite masculine, mm. like like the like a yeah the male artist. And not not talking about like the suffering, but just like the the power of holding on to your vision. Yeah. And I don't I don't you identify don't as an artist like that in any way. I can't I can't guide through a class or guide through any kind of practice without, like you said, it, like bringing in all these other influences. And I feel like that's yeah. That those are that's who I'm working with. It's so um, amazing too because you're honoring every part of of your history as you bring it forth in in class and in performance 
I love that. And you're such a collaborator, number one. So that's another, another way of um, not being that individual artist with that clear vision because that, that clear, when you're a collaborator, that clear vision can get knocked off its top. And then this surprise that you didn't expect is right there. Yeah. So that idea of that artist, it's not just unachievable, but it's not necessarily desirable in the way that you're saying it. Yeah, and I, I mean, there are artists like that yes, that I sure. that I look up to, that also that come into, you yes, know, like yes. that come into the room. And yet I'm aware that I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like it's something negative in mm-hmm. any way, no, right. but that I'm not necessarily interested, but it's also, I, I feel like I don't have, there's something I don't have in me mm. to, to hold space in that way. Yeah. And I, I found another thing that I do. What is that thing? Well, like what you're, I mean, yes. holding space yes. in ways that I'm pulling yeah. from many, many, many uh, resources, yeah. mostly from people yeah. and histories and experiences. And the people in front of you too. I see you working with the the dancers in the room and the moment I, and always all of it, yeah. and in such a humble way. But but I appreciate that there's also leadership involved in it, and I think that's what I I, I really appreciate artists who can take their history and be humble, but also still go forward and still pave the way and and not be concerned that they don't necessarily have that that clear provocative vision that everybody that's one way but what about I have this idea and and I have this friend and this friend and I like to be in this room together (laughs) and so I can bounce off of that person and I can bounce off of the space and I can and I can make something and I can trust that I'm that, that I'm going to make something. And I love that. That way of thinking has been super, so influential to me in being around you and Liam and mm. the makers, you know, 10 years ago who we were all improvising all the time and just getting into that space of, of recognizing how much information there is in something so subtle and something so beautiful and just the smaller movement. And that big vision is always amazing too, but life is so, I don't know, so subtle and beautiful already. Yeah. And that recognition is amazing. That, that's an artist's eye to me, that recognition of what's beautiful right, right there in the room and right in front of you. Yeah. You know, there's, there's so much around what we get in ways from from seeing that kind of beauty, mm-hmm. what's small or subtle, what you were just describing, and yet also at the same time, you know, it is there's a there's an edge, there's a a, um, a, a lot of loss mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. In, in ways that you know it is really against so many things that the world, the outside world, is kind of telling us. To, to move toward. Mm-hmm. And so as you drop deeper into this work, you sometimes, I, I feel, I mean, I'll speak yeah. for myself, you know, farther and farther or more and more as other. Yeah, that's just, it's something to, mm-hmm. to kind of, to contend to simultaneously. Uh-huh. The way that you're seeing beauty, you're opening up, you, there's so much more kinds of beauty yeah. that you might be seeing or noticing or... Um, accessing for your artistic work 
And yet there's, there's ways in which there's a kind of a loss too in that you're so on the outside of something that's happening that's, that's got a very different value system. Yeah. It's, it's, for me, it's worth it. For me, it's absolutely worth it. You know, I've lived in so many places that I just described and it's, it is a, it is a struggle. There is a kind of a loss here because there's such a strong pull from that other outside value system here mm-hmm. in San Diego mm-hmm. that we are, you know, you mentioned 10. I imagine that you're talking about the, the artists from live practice yes, and, yeah. you know, and yet there's so much beauty to that work and to what we were doing with live and it's kind of gone. It's gone. Like it's not, um, it, well, it's, that's not entirely true. I mean, it lives in it all does. of us. It does. And it carries and forward with your work. And we came in contact and, with. And, yes. But it's still other. It's still really, 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 really other yes. in it here. Thank and, you for saying yeah. that. Thank you for yeah. saying that. Yeah. This kind of work, this kind of value system for dance and for that experiments and present time moments, that is still really other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you could give advice to an artist in the world who is other, is feeling other, and wanting to continue to experiment, what would you say? Well, you know, it, it's such a, it's, it's, like it's, it's always like a bit of a contradiction, right? There's a, it's always a paradox in some way, but it is to find some kind of affinity groups, find some, and they're out there, mm-hmm. artists who are interested in this kind of work mm-hmm. as you mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. And also to keep putting yourself in situations that constantly question and put you up to this otherness or this kind of experimentalism that you're, that you're interested in because it, it's only going to further, I mean, I, I think as an artist, the more that you have access to, 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 to somehow inform your work, just the better it is. Yeah. So, and that's, you know, that's yes. like you yeah. and also like everything else that's unlike you. Yeah. You know? That's such a good practice to, to be, Exposing yourself to so much. I know that I'll, I'll just say right now, if you live in San Diego, Wednesday mornings, whether you're, whether you consider yourself a dancer or you do not consider yourself a dancer, either way, if you have a body, there is a Wednesday morning class at 9 a.m. till 10.15 that Eric teaches at Transcend Dance in Lemon Grove. And it's, it's wonderful. And I, I join him every week. You do. Thanks. And are there other places that, that people can find you. I still make work and, and yes. perform here. I'm, I'm always working with Jess Humphrey. I, uh, there's a, oh, an ongoing trio-ness with Leslie and Jess and I. And the, the, those collaborations will be seen, or, or always have possibilities of being seen here in San Diego. And this isn't something that I do often, but it is um, something that I'm, I'm just starting working on. I am making, I'm imagining probably in about a year, I'm making a full evening length work with myself. Amazing. I am so excited. Yay. Thank you so much, Eric. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Thanks, Alicia. That conversation was so wonderful. I can see us having more conversations with Eric because I feel like we just scratched the surface. But here are some of my takeaways. Number one, always be refreshing that question of what is dance 
or fill in the blank with your own art form? And what are the things that can be dance? Number two, keep learning new things from different people in your art form. It feeds your own art and it may just blow your mind. Number three, listen to your body, to your nervous system. Your body will bring you back to your truth. Number four, have reverence for the teachers who came before you. Bring them into the room when you're making. Number five, move forward as an artist, even if you are not the artist who has that clear, provocative vision. Just get into the practice of making and pulling from the people around you, from the people of your history, and from your own experiences. Number six, see the world around you as beautiful, even if it pushes up against what we as a society have deemed beautiful. Number seven, if you are feeling otherness in your art form, find those who share your vision. They're out there. And number eight, keep putting yourself in situations where you're exposed to all kinds of work, everything that's like you and everything that's not like you. Thank you so much to Eric Geiger. You can follow him on Instagram at Eric. Andrew Geiger, that's E-R-I-C-A-N-D-R-E-W-G-E-I-G-E-R. And if you live in San Diego or nearby, I encourage you to take his Wednesday morning class, 9 a.m. at Transcendance. You can find it at tdarts.org. That's T-D-A-R-T-S dot org. And thank you so much for listening. If you want to share your thoughts and takeaways with me, you can find me on Instagram at Alicia Peterson Baskell. And remember to subscribe and share this podcast with someone who you think would enjoy it. It's been so much fun and I will see you again next week. Have a wonderful and creative week. Until then.